Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised. BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International, Tuesday at 10 p.m. on ACB Radio Maine, or wherever you get your podcasts. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Pride Connection. I am one of your co-hosts, Anthony Corona, here always with Gabriel Lopez Cafati. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Pride Connection on the first day of Pride Month. Yes, the first day of Pride Month. Very exciting. We have a bunch of great shows in store for you this month, as well as an amazing collaboration with the Ira Visual Interpretation Service. Uh, Yours truly and President Gabriel will be among uh, two historians who are going to do a walk through the West Village and the Stonewall The bar is still there. It's still going. Uh, Even a pandemic couldn't take it down. Riots couldn't take it down. And uh, the historians will be giving some great, um, you know, history while walking through. So please look out for that. But um, today we are celebrating 21 years of what was once B-Flag and is now BPI, Blind LGBT, Pride International. Last year, when we turned 20, we went to, you know, the folks at the heart of the matter the founders of B-Flag, and the leadership who helped B-Flag become an affiliate. This year, we decided we take the opposite approach, although we have a leader from that time on here because he's been such a staunch ally for all these years. We decided that we'd speak to some folks who were allies at the time and who really fought for BPI, as well as invite board members and leadership of ACB to talk about the importance of diversity within the ACB realm and, of course, the importance of BPI to the ACB community. I know Gabriel has a few words, President's message to say, and then he can introduce our illustrious, wonderful, and very, very chatty guests. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It it is definitely a privilege and an honor to have such wonderful people who bring so much to the ACB family and to the community at large and have them as guests to talk about their impressions of back then B-Flag, the origins, the trajectory within ACB, and most importantly, what they feel BPI brings to the table today. Uh, we have not only a staunch supporter and ally, but lifetime member, Paul Edwards, very, very, very dear friends and uh, ally members as well, Penny Reader and Terry Pacheco. And uh, later on during the show, we will be hearing from a couple of ACB board members, second vice president, Ray Campbell, and uh, board member uh, Jim Crott are lined up to chat with us. In the meantime, welcome to our illustrious guests. We are so honored to have you here talking about BPI. 
Terry, I'd like to start with you and ask you, what when, when was the first time you heard anything about a possible LGBTQ affiliate? And then from there, just give us your impressions on, on the whole process of becoming an affiliate. I started working as the ACB Membership Affiliate Services Coordinator in September of 1999. I think I had kind of heard about B-Flag trying to at least become a topic of interest. We used to have some groups that would meet during convention who weren't actually affiliates, but they would take some time to meet. And the idea was to start there. Charlie Crawford was our executive director at that point, And Paul Edwards was ACB's national president. And they came to me and said, we'd really like to get this group set up, as, help them set up as an affiliate. So the first thing I did, as I recall, was talk with Rob Hill. Rob was such a wonderful person to work with. I so enjoyed working with him. And I think at times we almost got to almost daily phone calls to get you know, the nuts and bolts of getting the affiliate set up. At that time, I thought, good, we need to do this. It's something that obviously is wanted and it's needed. So we worked together, Charlie, Paul, Penny, me, and a few other people, primarily with Rob, to get things started. There were a lot of people that were giving us a good bit of pushback, shall we say. But under Paul's administration, uh, we were able to present a charter of affiliation to B-Flag, as it was called at that time, in Louisville, Kentucky, in July of 2000. Paul and Charlie especially did so much to work in the background to get people on board. They were great orators, and they cared so much about so many people that it was just something that we all knew was the right thing to do, and they really carried the banner. We all got a lot of criticism for it, but we did manage to get it through as an affiliate while Paul was president. Penny. Without naming any names, spill some of the tea. What's, you know, what's some of the pushback? What are, what are some of the comments and, and things surrounding people that really didn't want an affiliate that, that had an LGBTQ origin? Oh, a lot of people would say, well, well, there's a lot of special groups in ACB and they don't, they don't need their own affiliate. That was what I heard the most often. In the Braille Forum, we ran a debate with Rob Hill writing pro, and I can't remember who wrote against, but Rob did such an outstanding job that there was absolutely no contest. If any member who was on the fence read both of the articles, they would have definitely come away in favor of, of founding B-Flag, you know? So, you know, there were the usual snarky anti-gay comments that we're all used to, um, but most of those were not in writing. We just heard those on the phone. So. <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot of those on our email lists. There was some letter writing campaigns that took place. This one person in Michigan was just so nasty and adamant that it was not going to happen. And uh, he threatened to pull the Michigan affiliate out of ACB. And uh, it was it was not pleasant, but we won. So that's what matters. You know, Paul, I, I hear from from many sources, you are a very visible, um, a very upfront kind of president. But I would imagine, politically speaking, it was a risky move to throw so much weight behind this kind of affiliate at that time. I think it was risky, but I think that 
people like Charlie and I were kind of naive in the first place. I don't think that we felt like the political repercussions were going to be as as horrendous as they were, because we begin with the assumption that people in ACB are pretty reasonable folks. Many of them aren't. And I think we forgot what a huge population of Christian fundamentalists there are in ACB who basically were opposed to anything that suggested we ought to recognize values that resembled homosexuality because essentially the LGBTQ understanding was a lot further behind than it is now. It's come a long way in 20 years, but in 1996, 1998, you know, some of the discussions that we had in in the kind of private meetings with folks who would would eventually be members was how do we start an organization that will do two things? First, that will allow us to, to begin to work on issues that are important to us, but second, that will make us feel safe. Because at that point, there was a real fear that unless we created a place where folks could feel comfortable associating without necessarily coming out of the closet was really important. And I don't know if coming out of the closet is an appropriate term anymore, probably isn't. But nevertheless, that was a huge issue. And I guess the one other thing that I would say is I am also a huge Rob Hill fan. But Mm -hmm. in terms of everybody who was working on BFLAG, what I said to them and what Charlie said to them is we're not going to give you a pass to become an affiliate of ACB unless you can convince us that there's things that you need ACB for and that you have something to contribute to ACB. That wasn't an easy thing for BFLAG to do, but what it meant was that by the time we'd written their constitution, which included, and, and there are a bunch of us who sat down with them, Charlie did some of the time, I did some of the time, because the most important thing with that constitution is having statements that would clearly indicate the value it had for ACB and the value that ACB had for it, because those are the core things that you have to sell to the board of directors of ACB. What do you think BFLAG and now BPI has brought to ACB? I think BFLAG uh, Fabulous has- members. And some dollars. <laughs> 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 Never forget those dollars. No, please don't. <laughs> I think BFLAG has opened the eyes of a lot of members. We're in a very, very different place now than we were 20 years ago. I think BFLAG has definitely helped encourage that and has taught an awful lot of people in ACB that we are not so different from one another. I don't think we would have had nearly as much trouble getting BFLAG chartered if we were chartering it now. Oh, gosh, no. No, not at all. Five years after BFLAG first started, we still had a lot of staunch anti-gay people involved in the organization at that time. And they were still not willing to accept anything different. You did. You went through a lot of growing pains. You went through some ups and some downs. But 21 years later, look where you, where this organization is today. I think that's something that it's something that every member of BFLAG back then when it was BFLAG and BPI and really most members of ACB, I think should be very proud of today. You stuck with it. I think in the early years, BFLAG certainly suffered from discrimination. Uh, BFLAG had spent lots of money on a banner and that banner was stolen. But by the same token, the way that BFLAG responded to that was to essentially demand what they couldn't get. 
because nobody was ever identified as as the group who'd taken it. And then they used the banner incident as an excuse to isolate themselves and say the hell with ACB then. Mm. I mean, both sides made mistakes. I think you guys have built an organization that is doing a good job of putting together programming that is so good that other members who would die if anybody said they were gay love participating in. <laughs> you take on all the hard topics. I mean, and you do it so well. Right. And you're so even-handed when you do it. Yeah. No, and Penny, you know, you've been to plenty of BPI mixers. You've drank the Kool-Aid. You've watched plenty of others drink, drink the Kool-Aid. No one ever walked away changing their preference because B-Flag existed. And, you know, that was one of the big things that I hear was part of the discourse like, oh, you know, if we let them affiliate, you know, they're going to take some of our people and change them. <laughs> I, I would disagree with you. I think B-Flag did change the preferences of a bunch of folks because there were folks, I think, a lot of them who came to B-Flag and BPI later and are probably still coming to it who aren't really sure where they stand and then discover a place that's that's safe and comfortable where they feel like there is enough fellow feeling and spiritual togetherness that enables them to have the courage to take really difficult decisions. Oh yeah, absolutely, Paul. And that's and that's something that we experience even in the uh, LGBTQ community at large. There's many people who, sure. like you said, are unsure or right. you know questioning or and 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 they and they are afraid of coming out but once they find a support system once they find people who have been in their same situation and who have survived coming out and uh you know have are now offering a safe space then they feel comfortable coming out i i just want to say uh, that many of the things that happened to be flag and, and but but i i in my mind at the same time i was transferring all that all those events into the LGBTQ community at large, you know, those are the similar struggles, whether uh, you are blind, sighted, disabled, non-disabled, you know, as long as you're part of the LGBTQ community, we've all experienced those struggles. I strongly believe that history will prove that those of you who pioneered and supported the origin of this organization history is going to look at you as pioneers heroes because it's it's a it's an organization it's we're one of a kind and we represent the very 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 unique intersectionality that is being visually impaired in lgbtq because it's not the same it's not the same, and uh, oh, no. and the support that we find that we may be able to find in LGBTQ organizations is not the same support that we find in BPI because uh, it, it is it is a different structure. It is a different life. Frankly, that was one of the factors that led those of us who pushed for the acceptance of B flag to do it because it isn't the same in that. What the guys who were proposing B-Flag convinced us of was that, uh, in fact, it was very difficult to be a blind gay person. It um, is. And that the mainstream gay community really wanted very damn little, little. to do with it. Yep. And that, for instance, 
deaf guys actually found it much easier because of the level of support that they had. But for blind guys, it was just very difficult. But I think the other point that I would draw attention to is that what's happened in the last 20 years is we have gone from a place where there was almost nothing to a place where, to take just one example, there are 5,000 or more LGBT titles um, in NLS's catalog. That's so cool. Every time I see one, I smile. It makes me happy, you guys. (laughs) Me too. I read so, I read a very cool book which um, which I'd recommend to all of you guys if you haven't read it yet called The Broken Horse. It's written by um, a young lesbian lady who is a folk singer, pop singer who had a, a party. Of, yes. Okay, that I actually have it on my list. Uh, it's uh, on my Victor Reader. I'm going to get to it. What, Sorry. What's cool is is she also has acoustic versions of virtually all of her songs on this book so diversity equity inclusion are you know some of the the core value buzzwords that have been going on you know going around a lot what do you think bpi you know our programming our you know our mission our standpoint what do you think that we have added to that conversation and what do you foresee you know the role of special interest affiliates especially bpi in in this election year You have kept topics from being taboo. You had the courage to talk about pronouns on the radio and with other people. And that's just one example that I can think of. You perform such a good service in educating people, especially older people who probably didn't grow up thinking very positively about being gay. Like all of my kids are have never had an issue with homosexuality, but uh, an older generation did. That just happened in the last 20 years that it just became so much more acceptable. And you guys do a great job in educating the rest of ACB and the rest of the world, really. I think that's important. As Gabriel said, my my view on special interest affiliates is pretty radical. (laughs) I think that we do a tremendous amount of good for ACB, and I don't think it's recognized One of the things that has bothered me for the past few years, and it's particularly true when we're in in in-person conventions, is that when you put tours and committees and um, sponsor-held meetings together, what you end up doing is making it almost impossible for special interest affiliates to survive during the convention, which is when, for the most part, they have the greatest opportunity to proselytize for membership. I think that if you take special interest affiliates away from the convention, you will significantly impoverish it. But I think that we are still treated like the beggar stepchildren of ACB. And we've really been treated ever since we were formed, ever since special interest affiliates started, as simply ways of adding a few members, but basically with nothing significant to contribute. I think that there's a lot of truth in what you say, but I think there's a lot of other side to it as well. I think if you go way back, way back in the organization, I know my first national convention was in 1979. And, you know, for many years, we had the convention very differently structured. Oh, we did. And for a number of reasons, it got changed. And I think that um, has hurt the special interest affiliates. Ironically, I think the primary reason that it changed in the beginning back in the early 80s is because people were coming for the special interest affiliates and the exhibition hall. 
And not um, going to general session. And not going to general session. <laughs> it used to be, you know, wow. it used to be that the general session ran all day for like three days. And then the special interest affiliates had all day for three days. Special interest affiliates were first. Yes, they were first. And they were the ones that were opposite the uh, exhibit hall. And right. they were the ones that had the much better population, or the much right. better attendance. And, and, and then, then it got switched to... Sure. ACB in the morning and the special interest in the afternoon. Now we have a situation, we have so many task forces and committees that they have totally eaten into a tremendous amount of this, what would have, what used to be the special interest time. You know, BPI is presenting 21 programs in the year 21 to celebrate 21 years. And we're, we're taking our piece of that pie back. I, I wholeheartedly agree with uh, the sentiments that the three of you have expressed and how special interest affiliates uh, just make conventions so exciting and so robust and so entertaining. And, 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 I, and I even posted uh, in some conversations that have been going on on the ACB conversation list. Special interest affiliates drive a huge number of members and traffic into our national conventions um, because state affiliates happen to have their own state conventions. And I'm not saying that state conventions do not attend national, but, uh, but special interest affiliates, that's all we have. National is all we have. Although BPI has um, ventured into, you know, this past January, we had our first virtual convention and we also have our so fall social networking event, which I believe all three of you, have attended at least one of the one of the yes. cruises, and, uh -huh. or, or or if not another of the events, and uh, and uh, and you have brought friends and significant others and everyone, and I know that <laughs> Terry and Frank have, even after the uh, cruise had to end up in Paul's house recovering from from, from <laughs> i like the sound of that paul and, Fro and frank uh it caught some sort of, of pneumonia and the, and it was not good and and frank and terry had to you know stay a couple of days extra here in miami uh, until frank was you know released well from the hospital to... we were glad to have her though. also going back to our lgbtq nature um because we are as much blind and visually impaired as we are LGBTQ. And that's the beauty of BPI. You know, we, we bring a lot of the LGBTQ nature, for example, uh, you know, gay guys, we are known for loving brunch. <laughs> not that it's not that we only, but you know, we, we, not that we're going to get into of, stereotypes here, of course, <laughs> no stereotypes, but we know, we know how to throw. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we do. And meditation, yoga, meditation, <laughs> yoga. So what, what we try to do in, in any case is try to be innovative and creative. And I think you the creativity so much to the convention. I know. I really thank do you. Yes, thank yes you. I really do believe. That thank you. you. We appreciate just... we appreciate the, those comments because we do it. We love for people in ACB to experience BPI as what we are, you know, just now. Yeah blind people who happen to be LGBTQ and we're not trying to convert anyone into it's being not. gay. You can drink the Kool-Aid, it's happening. safe. <laughs> yes, that's out of the question. We're not trying to win. I mean, we love new members. We love our allied members. 
three of them right here on this call. But being a member does not mean that you have to be LGBTQ or identify as any of the LGBTQ. <laughs> but uh, Paul, Penny, and Terry, my two-part question to you is, what is your favorite or best memory of B-Flag or BPI? And as an ally to those who are listening who are kind of on the fence and who may want to spend a couple of their precious dollars and some of their time to become an ally with BPI, you know, what's convinced them a little bit? Tell them why being an ally is, is fun and important and educational. If you are bored at convention and you just feel like you have you haven't made any friends yet, if you're new or you just don't have the right people to hang out with, the place to go is the BPI suite because you will have a great time and you will be so welcomed. Honestly, when when we we have come to your suite, you have always always made us feel so welcome and so cared about, and that's really special. I I, I that's one of my favorite things about convention. Thank you, Penny. We love having you. BPI is without a doubt the most welcoming of all of the ACB. It has been. As much as I like a lot of the other affiliates, you are without a doubt the most welcoming. My favorite time in BPI is, is in the suite. One of the reasons that I hate the fact that we aren't doing caucuses the way we used to was I used to love, as a candidate, going to um, the BPI suite, because it was usually at an at an odd time and, and you could go in and just relax and there would almost always be some sort of a libation one could get. One didn't feel as though one was threatened or one had to get out right away. You could just sort of take a few deep breaths, talk to folks in, in a low and reasonable voice and um, have a pretty good shot at getting a group of reasonable people to vote for you. So it was pretty cool. And I, and I think the thing that BPI now brings to ACB that is different and really valuable is a willingness to reach in all directions to try to encourage members who are younger and older and have a range of different genders to become a part of an organization that demonstrates exactly what the word openness means. And inclusion and diversity. Uh, Probably my favorite memory of BPI or BFLAG at that time is actually standing on the stage of the Grand Ballroom at the Galt House in Louisville with Paul and Rob Hill, handing Paul the Certificate of Affiliation, the night that Paul presented it to Rob at the general session of the convention. And and there was this huge three-way hug going on, too. (laughs) There was. I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on behalf of folks who are newer to ACB and especially BPI, you know, thank my God, thank God that you guys had the courage to stand up for, for the affiliate. But Gabe, as our current shepherd, as um, you know, the president who has really taken this affiliate to to a much a much needed higher ground. What do you want to say to to these allies and to the allies out there listening who were a part of it back then? First of all, thank you, thank you. There are no words to express the difference what you did twenty one years ago and the support and over twenty one years ago the support that you gave to this idea that developed into an organization that transformed into a home for so many of us. Uh, BPI has been a life-changing experience, not only for myself, but for many others. We thank you 
for making it happen, for being such an instrumental part, because I'm, I'm just telling you, it has meant the difference between people being abandoned, uh, feeling lonely, uh, depressed, and finding out that they have a place to come to. And uh, the advocacy that we practice today is also thanks to you, the visibility that we have acquired and uh, the flag that we wave as people who are blind or visually impaired members of the LGBTQ community is something that, like I said earlier, it's, ACB will go down in history for having housed and having offered the first platform for an organization of this kind. I do want to say thank you for, for appreciating. Uh, the three of you have definitely commented on, on, on how welcome and how comfortable you feel at our suite. And, and I think that is part, again, of, of, of the identity of who we are, because we, we don't want anyone to feel rejected because we have felt the rejection in, in, in other yeah. parts of, of the community, even within, like we said earlier, within the LGBTQ community itself, we definitely make it a priority because it comes from our heart to welcome people. And because we want to share with people, we want to show them who we are. We're just open, welcoming, and, and, and everyone without judgment is, is always a part of whatever BPI hosts. And uh, um, there's always such a good vibe, such a good feeling in, in our suite. And, and that's, trust me, it's all done with, with lots of love for our ACB family and for all of you who have brought something and continue to bring something to BPI. Well, Terry, Penny, Paul, thank you so much for talking with us tonight. Thank you for inviting us. Thank and, you so uh, much for happy, having us. Happy birthday. Now you're 21. You should have a celebratory drink. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think we're going to go do that. Thank Good night. You. So we're here with American Council of the Blind President Dan Spoon. And Dan, tonight is actually the first day of Pride Month, LGBT Pride. So I was wondering if you had a message to the LGBTQ folks of ACB, most especially BPI. Well, thank you, Anthony, and thank you, Gabriel, for uh, you know uh, allowing me to have, say a few words. And uh, one, congratulations. Look forward to a wonderful month of celebration. I think of uh, how far we've come since B-Flag was first brought into an affiliate 21 years ago now. And I think the progress not only American Council of Blind has made, but our whole society has made. I know living in Orlando and what we experienced with the Pulse nightclub, you know, yeah. shooting and just what that meant to the community. And I think how it kind of brought us all together and really opened our eyes that, you know, just sitting back wasn't good enough anymore. We needed to do more. So I'm very proud of what all you all have accomplished and uh, congratulations. And let's have a great month of celebration of diversity, equity, inclusion, which I believe is what we're, we're, if we're not all about, we're really trying hard to be about with the American Council of Blind. Thank you, Dan. That's, that's awesome. A couple of us in ACB, I thought it was just me, but several of us have taken to heart one of your uh, words when you talk about diversity and inclusion, equity, which is intentional. 
I loved it since the first time you said it. I think you mentioned it when we were when we were hosting the uh, pronoun conversation. I think you mentioned it when we were talking about the racial, uh, social justice, yep. and in terms of racial injustice and discrimination. I like that, so I, I I would like to give you you know the floor to expand a little bit so that we can we can spread the intentional concept all across ACB. It's not enough, I think, to just say, you know, let's be just, let's be caring, let's let's include everybody. In an organization, you really do need to be intentional about it. If if you're having a, you know, a voting task force, you need to make sure all groups are represented on that voting task force. If you're talking about a code of conduct policy, I want input from everybody. And so I think we have to continue to look at our organization and think of ways we can be more inclusive because it doesn't happen automatically. People with privilege and in a position of power, sometimes not intentional, do things that lead to discrimination. And none of us are perfect. But the more we work at intentionally including people, I believe the better off we're all going to be. As president of the American Council of the Blind, we're now 21 years with BFLAG, which is now BPI, Blind Pride International. Mm -hmm. What does BFLAG, BPI, bring to the American Council of the Blind, in your opinion? Well, I think it brings a point of view that we all need to be aware of. I think it really fosters, again, the word we move maybe use too much, of inclusion, but it provides a safe place for everyone. We saw that with our discussion here over this last year. You all have been the leaders in things like proper pronoun discussion, gender uh, you know, equity and fluidity, and, and how you just accept people for who they are, right? And, and they were very thoughtful and well-presented conversations. And I think made a difference. And doesn't it just make you feel, you know, blind pride, but doesn't it make you feel, feel proud that <laughs> you know, if somebody comes, you know, um, you know, a, a gentleman that's, uh, you know, I've become friends with and in my local chapter, and I won't mention names, but, you know, his, his eyes lit up when I said, well, you know, we have a blind pride international special interest affiliate. And let me introduce you to those folks. He's like, you do. So isn't it great? to be able to meet people where they are, you know? So I think that's, it's just been fantastic. Exactly. It is great. And in our previous portion of the conversation, Gabriel made a point to remind folks that the American Council of the Blind right now is still the only place for this intersectionality, but it will go down in history. 21 years ago, when the world still wasn't fully ready for this, we became a special interest affiliate and 21 years strong, we're, we're strong and we're proud and we're very humbled to be a part of the larger parent organization. And Paul Edwards and, and the board at that point in time, with the help of the LGBT community, took what was a bold step at that time. Which, it was a bold you know, step, and, yeah. You know, now it seems like, uh, obviously, it's of course it's the right thing to do, but boy, it was, it was always the right thing to do. But boy, <laughs> it was a societal challenge 21 years ago. So it, it does. It makes you feel really... Uh, Really good that we were we were leaders and not followers. Yes, yes, absolutely. The American Council of the Blind has been a leader. This will go down in history because BPI is a is a one of a kind organization, and uh, there is no other representation for those of us who are blind and visually impaired members of the LGBTQ community. Yeah, and thank you all because you all are leaders. You you are helping educate all of us, and 
that's really important. And you're doing it in a very non quote unquote threatening way. Please be an ally, be part of us. Come, come hear our conversation. Yes. 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 We love allies and you don't have to be LGBTQ to find your place in BPI. So thank you for that, Dan. Thank you for your words. And thank you again to you as president of the American Council of the Blind for continuing to give us a, a, a home and, and support. support. And I think it's a very symbiotic relationship. We give and receive from the American Council of the Blind as much as both ways. It works both ways. Oh, yeah. And, and again, happy LGBTQ month and a wonderful 21st birthday. You're now old enough to officially have a drink at wine tasting. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> let's bring it to Jim and Ray. Now we are here with two fabulous board members of the American Council of the Blind, Mr. James Crott. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Good to talk to you all. Well, and we are also joined by one of ACP's, ACB's vice presidents, Mr. Ray Campbell. You seem to be everywhere lately, Mr. Campbell. How are there, you? I'm good here, there, and everywhere. And uh... Well, you know, earlier we were speaking with Penny, Paul, and, um, and Terry, and we were going through somewhat the history of how B-Flag slash BPI came to being. We spoke about some highlights. This being an election year, and luckily Mr. Croft doesn't have to worry about campaigning this year, but this being an election year, we're wondering from both of you, what does BPI bring to ACB as a whole as far as diversity and special interests are concerned? Uh, You know, um, this is the year that diversity is the theme of the day. And I understand that. And I'm glad that it's here and that we're all talking about it and embracing it. I look back to the beginnings of, quote, B-Flag, and I look at how the organization as a special interest affiliate has slowly emerged. And I look at what our BPI is today, and it's made itself so much a part of ACB overall. It truly embraces everything, quote, diversity, unquote, that ACB should, could, and does stand for. But it's incredibly good that we have a special interest affiliate that unlike most of our special interest affiliates, And that's not trying to be critical of them, but I think that BPI has emerged as all-encompassing, all-embracing, and really tried to make itself an integral overall part of ACB. You look at its activities, you look at its uh, involvement in various leadership areas, you look at all the the things that it's programming now at convention overlaps and spreads into. And how can you say anything but that BPI has become overarching and all-encompassing? And I think it sends a great message to our ACB community that we're a community, that we're a family, that we're together, and we need to share and interact and be one. And I I really see tremendous growth and development in what BPI has emerged as. Uh, And I go way back to the beginning days 
right, Mr. Campbell. When BFLAG was proposed as a special interest affiliate, I, I even remember thinking to myself, well, okay, what are, what are the, you know, when you think about special interest affiliates, obviously there's a common interest and BFLAG when it was formed seemed to be, um, you know, people who are blind, who are LGBTQ in that community. I, I remember thinking, well, okay, what kinds of things are unique that we would need a special interest affiliate to focus on those on those issues. So instead of thinking about it, I asked questions. And what was really stood out to me was that there were publications and and, and things that were produced uh, to serve the the community that were not available in alternative formats. There were um, unique issues that um, folks in the community had that having a special interest affiliate allow would allow. Um, you to come together and uh, discuss. I remember the first days, and I'm sure Jim does too, um, and and there were some lowlights, unfortunately. I think we came very close to uh, losing uh, one of our state affiliates uh, um, over over, uh, the chartering of B-Flag. I remember some of the debate that was set, the things that were set on the floor, very, very uh, unkind. And I remember in 2004, um, the desecration of the banner that uh, B-Flag had and just how that affected so many people. But I think what I've really noticed about B-Flag and it's merging into BPI, I think you've taken it all in stride as an affiliate and really blossomed into uh, an affiliate that really champions a lot of, of things, not just your issues of importance to the uh, LGBTQ community, but what a great bunch of programming you guys have. I mean, uh, wine tasting, who doesn't want to do that? You know, teaming up with other affiliates and really becoming, um, I think, a powerhouse amongst special interest affiliates in ACB. And I think it's wonderful to see. I, I think it's, um, it's, it's great that... Um, uh, you have done that, but yet you really haven't forgotten your core mission and, uh, you know, being of service to the LGBTQ community. And, I, and I'm glad to see that, too, because I do think that there are unique issues that, you know, only folks that uh, are part of the community and truly understand can really sit down and discuss with people and articulate. And so I think that having an affiliate like this is a real welcoming thing for ACB, especially over the past year where we have brought in so many new and dynamic and young members. And I'm sure some of them uh, from that community or they have interest in that community. Yeah. I think that's, it's just been, it's just been great to watch. And I, one of the things I've always done in the elections I've, uh, where I've run, from 2006, when I first came on the board to um, becoming secretary and uh, then running for second vice president, I have always made it a point to um, talk to uh, Blind Pride because it represents a unique and special part of ACB. And uh, I think it's something to be embraced. And, you know, you're, you're, you're doing some great work. And I, I really uh, commend, commend you for that. Thank you Thank both, you. Uh, Jim and Ray. Uh, I mean, you have no idea what your words mean to us. Even if we if we would have rehearsed, it wouldn't have come out so 
perfect and so nicely done because you both <clears throat> defined BPI and you both gave an impression of BPI from different angles and from different perspectives that show different sides of BPI. And, and, and let me share with you, Jim was uh, saying that we are all encompassing and uh, welcoming. We, we are that because we do believe in two things. One, we believe in welcoming everyone because we don't want anyone to experience the rejection that many of us LGBTQ folk have experienced in, 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 in our own community, the LGBTQ community, us being blind or visually impaired. We have been discriminated against things that happened during the incorporation of B flag, you know, discrimination uh, by certain members. Thank God that, you know, ACB stood on the right side of history because of amazing people like yourselves. The other aspect of being all encompassing is that we 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 really want to invite people to get to know us. Uh, we really want to invite people who have grown up with prejudice and you know it's it's not being their fault you know it's a generational condition or Absolutely. situation so so we want to invite people to for them to experience firsthand that we are just normal people like everyone else no just regular average blind people who happen to have a different sexual orientation and 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 that's the all-encompassing i think those are the two main forces that drive us into being so open welcoming and all-encompassing like jim uh, so eloquently said ray you were talking about like you said wine tastings and uh and uh, just exciting and, and innovative stuff. I, I think, you know, that stems from uh, not that you have to be LGBTQ to be creative, but, you know, that uh, it, is, it, is, it is very common among the LGBTQ community that creativity, that uh, ability to reinvent ourselves and to just open up with new ideas and, and attract uh, people of different walks of life. Also, what you mentioned about our programming at conventions is, is something that we enjoy. We love doing that. We love putting together, creating spaces and creating the right environment for people to feel comfortable, to feel welcome and to feel that they are accepted and uh, just just to feel uh, welcome and, and, and connected and, and, and give people that sense of community. And doing things that are not necessarily blind related or LGBTQ related, things that are just human, uh, yeah. things that are you're, just, you're allowing uh, people to be their authentic selves. Absolutely. And that is and that is something that I think you know is you know not always um, a part of of things as much as it should be. You know, I think I think that's that's great and um, and and you know needed. That's. That's really the, the thrust of a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion work these days is that to allow you know, people to be their authentic selves. You know, you just mentioned, Mr. Campbell, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think it's very fair to say that of all the affiliates, BPI definitely carries the banner of diversity and, and equity and inclusion. When you look at the programming that we've done over the last couple of years, pronoun conversations, bookend conversations about AAPI um, history and or, you know, the unfortunate incidents that have happened. We spoke about racial justice. 
we try really to make our doors, you know, completely open to anyone. The only thing that you can't walk through our door with is discord, hatred, or, you know, judgment. So in the 21 years that B-Flag, subsequently BPI, has been a part of the American Council of the Blind. Do you think that we've pushed diversity, equity, inclusion for the parent organization, American Council of the Blind, where it needs to go? And are you looking to BPI to to continue to lead that that course? That I, we're not where we need to be from a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint in ACB. Uh, when I look at our board, it's pretty uh, it's pretty white, pretty male, and it's. I think one of the things that Dan has started to do in his first two years as president, and he uses the word intentional. Yes, I like that. Equity inclusion. Yes. I like that too, Gabe. We, we, we have to be intentional. We do need to be intentional. You know, as I look down through our committee chairs, and uh, we've got some really good leaders, leaders of color, women, you know, different you know, folks from different backgrounds, that we just need to make sure that we bring them up through the ranks and you know, encourage them and help them to want to run run for the board. Another area I don't think we've been as diverse in, you know, DEI focused in is uh, is our staff. We have not hired as many people of color um, as we we should. We're starting to improve that a little bit. I think bringing somebody like Swatha on board is uh, is a great first step. Um, I think we need to continue to look at that. We we have had a couple of African American staff members in the past, but that's something we uh, again using that word intentional. I think we need to be intentional about doing those things. Do I look to Blind Pride to um, kind of push that for us? I I look to anybody who wants to uh, push it. I think Blind Pride is uh, doing a great job. I think the Multicultural Affairs Committee is starting to really, you know, kind of push the envelope a little bit and kind of push the issue a little bit. I think having the all Spanish call is a great, great thing that we did last night. And I think that's going to be, um, uh, hopefully that will be a springboard to uh, some better outreach to the uh, Hispanic and Latinx communities uh, for ACB. I think we need to make sure that we 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 always need to remind ourselves that we we, we don't want to be just checking boxes. We want to be bringing yeah. on good, yeah. qualified people to be committee chairs, to eventually run for the board, run for office, um, and that sort of thing. I mean, can you believe that it took ACB over 50 years before we had our first female first president yeah. and first male secretary, actually, too? Uh, so it, it, that shouldn't have happened. So all we can do, I think, is um, move forward, and I certainly trust that uh, BPI is going to be a big part of that, and I want you to be a big part of that. Uh, we as, uh, as leaders need to do our part, too, and we need to do our part with uh, mentoring. We need to do our part with encouraging people that we think have good qualifications, that would be good board members and eventually officers. We, we need to really be in, not only intentional about bringing diverse voices onto our committees and stuff, we also need to make sure that we listen to those voices. And Gabriel, yes. can, Gabriel can tell you that on the resolutions task force, I made sure that everybody had an opportunity to speak and to share what they had to say. And we really learned a lot from having those folks there. So 
from being with you on the information referral peer support committee, you know, whether you're red or blue and, and we kind of know where you lean and you know where I lean, mm-hmm. you know, you listen to everyone's individual opinion. You listen to everyone's individual thought and then you assimilate it into what you feel and think and give an intelligent and, and well-rounded response back, not the party line, so to speak. Thank you. And I, and I, and I, and I really work hard to do that. I, Jim and I, we, we haven't agreed on some things on the board, but I believe in one thing, the, the discussions that we have and the things we talk about, they're not personal. They're, they're organization related. And at the end of the day, we're still good friends. And yeah, let's throw it to Mr. Crot. You know, you were there when a lot of folks stood up and said, why do these LGBT folk, because the Q really wasn't prevalent back then. Why do these LGBT folk think that they need a special interest affiliate? You know, you know, we let them come to convention. We let them have their little meetings. Why do they actually need to be an affiliate? Now, 21 years later, Mr. Crod, you know, what have we proven? I do think the way that uh, the organization has grown and developed from a small group of people uh, with special interest into something that is much more overall arching and all inclusive and really widespread is a phenomenal statement of where you all have come from to. Uh, For a number of years, B-Flag met in its suite. Most of its meetings were in its suite. People that were not of an LBGT persuasion uh, didn't want to go into that suite for the most part because of the stigma that was attached to it. I think that as you all have broadened horizons and expanded inclusionism and made yourself an overarching part of melding with other special interests affiliates and being inclusive in your invitations to your programming, um, that has changed in a big way. Do I think that ACB has things to do and places to go? Yes. I mean, we just hired, uh, what, four or five people into various positions within uh, our staff. And yes, uh, one of them was a female with uh, diversity in her makeup, but we've got to do better. We've got to become, as Ray says, less white. And if we can't do it in our staff, then how can we expect to do it in a board? How can we expect to do it necessarily in our committees? We have done it to some degree better in our committee structure, um, but we do need to encourage and promote a, a better climate. And I think we did that. One of the things that we did as a board this year was to adopt practice and policy that will enable uh, board members to be more fully compensated for attending board meetings or able to also attend board meetings virtually if necessary to make it possible for people that don't have the economic wherewithal to attend all of these meetings to fully participate. That's important. We had to do that. We need to do that. I think that the steps forward that D-Flag into BPI have taken into growing from a what I think in the beginning was pretty much 
more descriptive as a private LGBT club is really now an all-inclusive organization, a very welcoming organization that is spreading an umbrella over more and more aspects and parts of, of ACB each day. I'm proud to have been a part of the early decision-making that led to the chartering of B-Flag. I was part of the resolutions committee that started the nasty, vicious fight that went from there to the floor of the convention. I was really pleased that it turned out the way that it turned out. You know, the organization has taken baby steps and then more baby steps and then bigger steps. And I just think the last few years uh, has moved forward dynamically and um, is becoming very powerful uh, and, and a very um, prominent good part of ACB. When you look at coming into leadership positions and mentorship positions, you know, a lot of folks don't feel like they see you know, representations of themselves within the organization. So through the BPI lens, how do you answer that question? BPI members need to facilitate the kind of growth, the kind of development, the kind of interaction that we're talking about here by expanding their own horizons and opportunities and moving into multiple areas and parts of ACB, committees, task forces, special interest affiliates, so that they're not just known as or part of BPI, because it takes more than that to be part of ACB leadership. Absolutely. Um, I think you have to have more. Mr. Campbell? Think about what you're good at and, you know, don't be afraid to go out and start getting in, you know, getting involved. I ended up on the resolutions committee for four years because I was going to resolutions meetings and speaking up about resolutions that were being debated. In fact, I, I got warned by Mitch Pomerantz that, um, you know, people like you who speak up for the way you do are going to end up on the committee. And I knew that was going to happen. We as leadership need to also communicate with your leaders. If you have people that want to expand their horizons, uh, we need to we need to we need to be finding you, and you need to be finding us. The pandemic was a huge blessing to ACB because it forced us to connect in ways that and we had never did before. Did before yeah. because of what we've done. Look what look at the crop of enthusiastic, bright, new, young, mostly young, new members that we brought into this organization. And, you know, it's not just the um, members of BPI, but all of these new members. We need to make sure that we're roping them in and that we're keeping them and getting them involved. And so... And um, giving them a reason to stay. Absolutely. And so I think, I think that, I think people need to feel like that they can go and learn about committees and eventually get on committees. I think people need to learn, you know, go and learn about um, different things that are happening and get involved with that. So thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This has been another great Pride Connection. We will have four more amazing 
Pride Month shows for you in the month of June. And we have 21 amazing programs for 21 years of Blind Pride International at the 2021 National Convention of the American Council of the Blind. You can always find us at membership at blindlgbtpride.org. We'll be back next week with Eric Marcus talking about the history of the HIV and AIDS pandemic on the direction of the LGBTQ community. We'll be back next week. Good night. You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org. They will find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the